0: Well, I was going to preach on tithing, a uh, practical and useful message, I think. But it's got to wait for another time, does it? It isn't appropriate to talk about giving on a day, on a week with such sorrow. Is God good? Does he answer prayer? On Tuesday, we had a funeral for Margaret Dinus. On Friday, a funeral for Elizabeth Strecker. And last night, John Chisholm passed away. Five days and faced with death every day. I got home from being out of town yesterday evening, about 7 o'clock, and had two messages waiting for me, one from Jerry Spence, one from Chris Swangbird, just letting me know that John was in the hospice, and just for my own information, um, I planned to see John this afternoon, but Chris said, He probably has hours to live. So I went to see Linda and, turns out, the boys and John. I drove over around 8.30 and was told that John had passed on, that he had died. Linda was very much at peace yesterday. She walked me into the room where John was laying, And we talked for 10 or 15 minutes about John's passing. And Linda said, God was very good that they had together arrived at the conclusion that they didn't want John to suffer. And would God take him home? And they prayed to that end. And within the hour, John was gone. Freddie talked this morning about the moment that They were in the hospital room. Freddie read scripture. He prayed with the family. And him and Linda sang a song. And Linda said, we'll never make a duet. But it was beautiful in God's eyes. And it's worth saying, by the way, that Freddie was wonderful last night. He spoke with articulation but with real care. And they got pastoral care last night before I ever got there. So I just want you and you to know that. But even though Linda said that God answers prayer, I couldn't help thinking of the boys and putting myself in their shoes and them wondering if God, in fact, answers prayer because they've just witnessed their father dying in significant pain for a number of weeks, and then die of a horrible disease that Linda tears up just saying the word cancer. They watched their mother struggle with cancer herself for 13 or 14 years. Do they think God answers prayer? And you can't blame them for thinking, no, he doesn't. Margaret had a stroke and probably laid for eight hours or more unconscious before she was found, and a couple of weeks later, she died. Elizabeth Strecker went to a hospice, And I visited her on that Friday. And the next Friday, she said, I didn't think it would be this long. And she lived three, maybe four weeks after that, just waiting to die. Wondering what was was taking God so long and wasting away. So is God good? And how many of you have prayed for a loved one, and maybe for yourself, and not had an answer. You pray and it seems like heaven's answer is just gaping silence. Is God good? And we continue to pray, but with no expectation anymore that God will answer. That God will intervene. And even if we could hear and see God and hear from His lips that, no, I'm not going to give you what you asked for, it's best, maybe that would be okay. But we don't see Him, we don't hear Him, and so we're left wondering. So we pray, and we wait, and nothing happens. So does God answer prayer? Is God good? Yes, he is. And there's some things that help me to think through this issue. And I would like to share them with you this morning. If I can turn my page, that would be very, very helpful. First is that God is sovereign. And I am not. God sees the big picture, and I do not. My favorite illustration of this is, what if you were looking at a cloth, and hanging off the cloth were threads, loose, messy, ugly. They make no sense. There's no pattern. That's life. Threads of Weddings and childbirth and celebration are mixed in with threads of death and sickness and suffering. But on the other side of the cloth is a beautiful tapestry with design. All the threads are intertwined to make a flawless pattern. And that too is life. But we look look at it from the back side of the tapestry. We look at it from the messy side, from the ugly side. But on the other side, which is God's side, which we can't see yet, is beautiful. Is a front with a marvelous image that God is working on that we can't see. But when we see it, it will be so beautiful. But we have to wait. And I see the back of my little section of the tapestry. And God is working on the front with the big picture in mind. I see very little. God sees the whole thing. God is sovereign and I am not. And David, running for his life from King Saul, did he know in the moment that God was grooming him for the kingship? I don't think so. He was just trying to live another day. Hebrews 11, the so-called hall of faith, recounts the Old Testament saints who believed God for his promises, but only towards the end of their life realized that these promises would not be finally fulfilled in their own day. God was working on something bigger than what they understood or saw. And some of them died in the waiting. Some of them died horribly in the waiting. But they saw God's side of the tapestry for just a moment. People in the Bible suffered. So God is sovereign. The second thing is What if physical suffering or physical well-being is not God's great issue? What What if physical health is not best for us? What if there's something better that God is working on? On unit 47 of the special services building at the Tom Baker Center, John said... That he knew God was there. He said he knew Christ in the hospital differently than he knew him anywhere else. And maybe the knowledge of God is better for John than physical health. Maybe the knowledge of God is the great need in our life. And so maybe the allowance of suffering in our lives is a gift to make the greater gift possible. Maybe the man blind from birth was grateful for his blindness because through it he got to know Jesus. And maybe, maybe the suffering in your own life you will look back on someday and testify that if it wasn't for the suffering, you wouldn't know God as you do. Johnny Erickson Tata broke her neck as a teenager. She can't walk. She can't use any of her limbs. She can't dress herself. She can't clean herself. She can't go to the bathroom by herself. And there are times that she hates being a quadriplegic. But she also has a worldwide ministry that not... Only sees countless people come to faith, but also offers hope and encouragement to people who are quadriplegics or otherwise handicapped. And for that, she is grateful. She has a ministry that she could never have had if she remained healthy and functional for her whole life. So maybe physical health and lack of suffering prevents fullness of life. And the third thing that helps me understand is what I think is the answer to this question. Why do rapists and molesters and murderers go free while good people Suffer. That's a hard question, and it has been asked many, many times. And if it, isn't it proof that God is unfair in a world with that kind of reality? But all our choices impact other people, and. Should God punish rapists and molesters and murderers and let them go free? Wouldn't he be better if he prevented those things from happening in the first place? And while he's at it, what if he'd prevent war and starvation due to political corruption? In fact, every time a bullet is fired... Maybe God would be better off if he made sure it didn't hit anyone. And prevent drunk driving accidents and strokes and the drug dealers and people from drinking too much and make sure addicts didn't hurt their families and so on. Where does it stop? John said, I'm not surprised I have cancer. Paraphrase. I'm not surprised I have cancer. We've done it to ourselves. Pollution, genetically modified foods. We've created the world we live in. And suffering is a part of that world. And suffering is in the world because we have done it. So is what we want a God who overrides our decisions, eliminating the bad, in only permitting the good, or will we, humanity, take responsibility for it? And besides that, it's simply not true that rapists, abusers, and murderers are getting off scot free. Someday they will stand before God and give account for what they have done, and all sin, all sin will be punished. That's what the psalmist calls for when they speak with a longing for judgment. God, as the judge, will judge evil and stand up for the righteous. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not that God permits rape and abuse and murder and all these other bad things, but that he will deal with it. And the judgment of God is a terrible thing. And at the end of the day, the innocent sufferer will stand and the wicked will fall. The judgment is not now, but it will happen. It will happen. So these things are true. God's sovereign physical suffering is not his main concern. And those who cause suffering will be judged. Great. Great. But what can we hold on to in our sufferings? It's one thing to have these things help us understand suffering and its place in the world. But we need something for our hearts. Is there something that helps us in our suffering? Is there something that we can cling to to see us through our suffering. And I think there is. I think there is. And more than I have to tell you probably. But there's four things. And First, God is with us. And I know that that is a trite. That God is with us. God is, God is with you in your suffering. It's going to be okay. But God is with you in your suffering. I talked on Tuesday from Psalm 23 and the verse, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I know you're with me. You I know you're waiting on the other side. And when I get through, you'll be there. No. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. Feel no Fear no evil because I know that in a second you'll lift me out of there and I'll be okay. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are with me. God walks with us. He holds our hand and walks all the way through the valley. The second thing is that God knows suffering. He knows it. God the Son, crucified. Remember that this morning. Nailed to a cross with all his friends abandoned him. His enemies at the foot of the cross saying, if you're God, just come down. We'll believe. But the worst suffering is that he felt abandoned by his father, God. And nobody on the planet has suffered more than Jesus did. God the Father knows suffering. His Son died for us. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He understands. He suffers. This is our God. Third, the eternal perspective of suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you're a highlighter, highlight this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and following. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For, and get this. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, our bodies, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house made not with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we will groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is more mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Our bodies suffer. They do. But God is preparing a future. The other side of his tapestry. A tent, a building, a place for us to live. And not mansions over the hilltops, but a place for us to live. Our bodies that will never suffer. If you have ever had a baby... You know what I'm talking about. In the process, it's very, very painful, I hear. And in the process, you swear you will never have another baby. How many of you have had more than one baby? It doesn't take long before you're ready to go through all that again. in heaven is that times a million. And from the other side of glory, we will look back on suffering, even on death and cancer. We'll look back on that and say, that was nothing. Light and momentary a flash in the pan compared to the glory and the joy that we will experience. And in the moment, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like you will carry this for the rest of your life, but you won't. And the other side has Glory that will outweigh this by a million times and you'll forget it. It was nothing, it was gone. But there's one more and it's not God focused, it's us focused. In the midst of suffering, we can cling to the church. That's what we're here for. Linda said last night to her kids, you're not alone. I'm here. I'm not alone. I have you guys. Well, this is true. But Linda's not alone because she has us. She has us. And we need to express the heart and the love of Jesus Christ for us at Word. Freddie talked about loving one another, honoring one another, being devoted to one another, carrying one another's burdens. And Linda has a burden, and the Streckers have burdens. And Margaret Dines, those who knew her and loved her, have a burden. And every one of you has a burden. Everyone. There's not a person in this room who is not carrying something. And we need each other. We need practical love. We need meals for each other. But so much more. You... You know what we need from each other? We need each other to be there. Whether you say something or not, whether you give a meal or not, sometimes a meal is very helpful. Sometimes cleaning the floor is very helpful. Sometimes, but but sometimes standing there, not saying anything, and holding a hand, Is enough. But we need to be there for each other. And I know what it's like to have you there for me. And we need to be there for Linda and for one another. We have the church. The creed we just read says, I believe in the communion of the saints. Communion means being one with. I believe in the oneness of the saints. And I believe too. I believe too. Is God good? Does he answer prayers? Can he be trusted? Yes, he can. He can. And I declare to you this morning that God is good, gracious, merciful, kind, wise, loving. And I pray, I pray that Linda's sons will testify to that someday as well. And those who suffer all around us, may they testify to it as well because God really is good. And we remember that he's good because he sent his son to die on the cross for us. That is how we know God is good. All that i have said thus far is a trust issue. I trust that God is good for this reason and that reason, but this is a knowledge issue. Christ died on the cross. That's how we know God is good. For God so loved the world that he sent his Son. What, we, what did we sing? I think we sang Romans 5, verse 8. God so loved us that he sent his son. This is love. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John, verse 4, 4 verse 9 and 10, God sent his son as a propitiation, as a atoning sacrifice for us. That's that's how we know what love is. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son. 1 John 3, verse 8, this is how we know what love us. Love is Christ died for us. It's the cross. That's how we know. That's how we know. And because of the cross, we will see the tapestry from the other side someday, and we will know that God does all things well, all things well. And I really hope that this is a comfort to you, that God is good, that God does answer prayers that God is loving, that God is there. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. It's easy for us to say off the top of our heads that you are loving and good, answers prayer, but help us to own in our hearts the love of God so that no matter what happens to us or around us, we will cling to your goodness because we know it. Please be with Linda and Mark and Matthew in this moment. Reveal to them your goodness and your care. And for us as a congregation, remind us how to love one another, how to bear one another's burdens as we do that, we reflect Christ who is being formed in us. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.